Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast, the show designed to keep youth workers motivated and youth ministries moving forward. Now, here's your host, blogger, speaker, and lover of nerd stuff, Paul Turner. Well, welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast. I am your host, Paul Turner. And I have been away from you from a while, for a little while, haven't I? And I apologize for that, but uh, I am a full-time youth worker like yourself, like many of you. Uh, even those of you who are part-time, uh, you find that summer is to be a very busy time in the youth ministry world uh, because we are out and about. I have already been to uh, on a missions trip to Costa Rica uh, in early June. Uh, also went to camp, took kids to camp a couple of weeks ago. And about to leave again as I go and speak at uh, what I will call my spiritual alma mater of Life Youth Camp down in Vero Beach, Florida. One of the best camps on the earth. So if you're ever looking for a retreat spot, I totally recommend that. But that was in reality my spiritual birthplace uh, of finding Christ. And I go back there every year. This is my 13th year, I believe, that I'm going back to speak. And I'm bringing back a team. I'm bringing a team of students with me. Uh, to um, help me minister at the camp. So I've been busy, guys. I've been busy. And I'm sure you've been busy too, but you know, uh, but the but I have not given up on uh, on this podcast. I've not given up you as an audience. I want you to know that. Um, the average podcast lasts about seven to eight episodes, they tell me. And I think we're on 20 something. So I have plans uh, of things coming up, things that are going on. And uh, and I'm going to let you guys know about them very, very soon. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the news. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But there's just a lot going on. I'll be honest with you. There's times where I just I feel so oppressed uh, by the world and by the environment and the sadness of shootings uh, of, you know, of African-Americans, of police officers, and you just feel like you're living, you know, in the war zone all the time. It's constant, you know, and, uh, and you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't make for happiness. It doesn't make for me to get up and go, man, I really want to get on, you know, air today and, and talk about maybe some things that in the scope of things matters very little to people, but I hope to redeem that a little bit today. Um, you know, maybe I need to do, if you're a, uh, I would love to talk with you that if you're a uh, African-American youth worker or youth pastor and love to talk about this subject, I would love to talk to you about it and how we can work together. I think that'd be an excellent episode uh, for us to get together and chat about some things. And so if you are in um, that realm uh, or work within an urban ministry, I would love to talk to you. Uh, so let me know, hit me up at the D project at me.com. And, uh, and don't forget to, um, don't forget to, uh, sign up for the show notes, uh, which you can do at the discipleproject.net. You can sign up for the fresh impact newsletter and, uh, you will get the show notes, uh, the show notes from this show, uh, and, um, and then you'll be able to, you know, use that with your team or something like that. So, uh, but anyway, that's just kind of the news. That's a brief little bit there. And I thought I'd get into a little bit of levity, a little bit of fun today. And if you've never been there, I'm, I'm getting these, I'm going to share with you three stories, uh, that I think are pretty funny, um, from what is called the Babylon Bee, which is a Christian satirical news site, much like the onion, if you've ever heard of that. Um, but yeah, it's at the, uh, the babylonbee.com and, um, spelled just like it sounds, the Babylon B. And, uh, and so I will just give you a few stories that, uh, might lighten up your day a little bit, be a little fun. 
the starting uh, title here. These are so funny. Uh, they're hilarious, really. It says, man beginning to suspect church soft church just wanted him for his softball skills. I, I know that's never happened in your church, but remember, this is satirical. They're making this up. This is funny funny stuff meant to make you laugh. Uh, but but there's always in satire uh, the element of truth, right? The element of a little bit of truth there. And the story goes like this. Grace Baptist Church's evangelism team faithfully reached out to their community and preaches the gospel to anyone and everyone who listened. But the team's members say they felt a particular specific burden to pursue local softball prodigy Grayson Ellis 27. After persistent outreach efforts, Ellis finally responded to the gospel call and was baptized last week. Ellis, who played minor league baseball for Kansas City Farm System and coached a girls softball team to a state championship, told sources that he's really excited about getting to know Jesus, but he is starting to see signs that the church only wanted him for his exceptional softball skills. I know this has never happened in your church, right? You've never pursued somebody to come to church just because they're really good at something, right? He says, the article, the, the uh, fake Grace and Ellis here says, Grace has some excellent discipleship programs that are helping me to understand more and more about the Bible. Uh, the 6'4", 200-pound uh, pound cleanup hitter reporters, reports, but they highly recommend I skip out on them in order to make it to the weekly softball practice. Plus, the minute I was baptized, the pastor gave me a big hug and immediately put a Grace softball jersey and hat on me. <laughs> Uh, Ellis further said that while the church rejoiced over his conversion, they didn't even try to present the gospel to his wife. <laughs> the church claimed to reporters that it was unaware that Ellis had a wife, as she is not eligible for the men's softball team. Uh, he continues that over the weekend, I tried to sign up with some help with a home, home remodeling job for a local family need, but the pastor sat me down and told me I couldn't do that kind of work because he could risk me getting injured, the slugger said. While he plans to stick things out for a while, Ellis said if the church is unable to support both his spiritual growth as well as his affinity for softball, he may have to consider taking his talents to Hill Street Methodist next season. So, uh, <laughs> it's just too real. It's just, you know, stories like this, they're satirical, but boy, could you see that happening, can't you? Or maybe you've been a part of that. It's, it's really, really ridiculous how sometimes uh, churches do things. Um, also uh, in the stories here, seminarian unable to locate Bible among towering stacks of theology books. Uh, Dallas, Texas, a graduate student at Dallas Theological, Sem Theological Seminary confirmed Thursday that he is still unable to locate his Bible among the massive piles of books about the Bible surrounding him in his apartment. The situation apparently came to a head as one Drew Reynolds and fellow seminarian were engaged in a discussion regarding the leadership models of the New Testament church, as described in the book of Acts and prescribed in the Pauline epistles. When his classmates suggested they stop flipping through the books about the Bible and instead just check out what the text had to say, Reynolds laughed at first and kept looking through his uh, supplementary texts and commentaries. But he quickly realized his friend wasn't joking. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. You're serious. Sure. Uh... Let me just grab my Bible. It's right over here underneath my lexicons, and hmm, I could have sworn I left it here last semester after my Greek exam. After a three-hour-long scouring of the apartment, the pair was unable to locate Reynolds' Bible, but were, uh, but were able to rec reconstruct a full copy of the Book of Acts out of a quoted portion among the hundreds of commentaries lining the walls of the room. At publishing time, Reynolds was 
retranslating his own copy of the Bible out of the original languages, utilizing portions of the Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew texts found in his commentaries, as there was no hope of ever locating his English copy of the scriptures. That's deep there, guys. How many times do we read books about the Bible? I know I've been convicted about that in my own heart, uh, but you know what? we got to read the scriptures. But those are the top stories from the Babylon Bee. Uh, they are satirical. They're meant to be satirical. And uh, hopefully, if you go check it out, you won't realize, you, you'll, you won't look at it and go, what are these people doing? This is terrible. Why would they do such things? Why would they, why would they say such things? Well, you know what? Sometimes Christians got to lighten up a little bit, um, especially considering the times we live in, uh, that uh, you know, a little levity and a little laughter is much needed, especially during these times. So take it for what it's worth and enjoy it. So, all right. So we're moving on now to the core of this podcast. All right, so uh, I, I was listening this morning to uh, Morning Joe, which I normally do, and uh, they were, of course, talking about the Dallas uh, shootings and, and things like that, and, uh, and Chuck Todd, who's a, a regular on there, uh, said something interesting that really kind of grabbed uh, my attention. Uh, Chuck Todd said it right on the show when he said this. They were talking about the training of police officers and, um, you know, he says, he says, then the question is, how do you train racism and bigotry out of someone's heart? And that is the, that is the key. Uh, and that, that is, uh, the, you know, the, the deal, right? If you're going to, it doesn't matter, you know, you're hiring and you're training and that's what the, you know, that's the word that struck out to me because you, as youth workers, we want to train everybody. We want to train everybody how to do things. We want to train people how to preach. We want to train people how to um, how to lead a small group. We want to train people to lead outreaches. We want to train people to do everything. And the the issues that we come upon as youth workers many times is we're training somebody whose heart may not be right, and we can't train. Uh, as I say in the post that I'll leave, I'll put this in the uh, show notes. But in the in the post I I wrote about this, um, I said that you can't train the devil out, and you can't train God in. You know that's just something you can't do. Uh, and unfortunately, what we do is we recruit, or we train, or we uh, uh, recruit volunteers, or get staff, and uh, and we just want to be. We want them to take a job, a role, or a task. And yes, we can train somebody to do a task. We can train somebody in uh, steps and systems uh, and all those things, but what we can't do is we cannot train people to be ethical. We can't train them uh, to be loving. We can't train them to be kind. Uh, we can't do those things. Those are works of the Spirit that, uh, you know, that a person needs a revelation to really pour themselves into something. In other words, I can't, you know, I, I, I can train somebody to do a task. I can't teach them to love teenagers. They have to be able to love teenagers on their own. And they have to be able to love the church and love what God is doing and love God and love the scriptures. You know, I can't train people to do that. I can't train people to do those things. That comes with the package. I can train all these externals, uh, but the heart is a different matter altogether. And I think we get stuck sometimes as youth workers and we recruit and we think, oh, this is going to work out. And then we try to train people 
to do something or be somebody rather. We try to train somebody to be somebody and that we can't train them to be somebody. We can train them to do something, but we can't train them to be something. Uh, They just are who they are. And so we have to be careful in choosing. That's be number one is you have to train, you know, choose carefully. But something that also brought this to light for me is that when I went to camp and I've been working with a young man uh, about his goals and dreams and, you know, he talked about he wants to be a, a history professor, which I think is fantastic. Uh, and, and I said, yes, you should go get your degree in, in history and teach history to students. Um, as a, you know, I think every youth pastor should have some other skill. Unfortunately, I do not. (laughs) I, I do not have another skill. I've done youth ministry for the past 25 years and that's what I know. And, uh, and so I don't have uh, a bunch of degrees to fall upon and say, well, I can just go do that. I just got to be good at and get better at and continue to do what I know that I'm supposed to do, which is working with teenagers in youth ministry in the local church at some facet in some way. And this young man came to me and he shared testimony and just, you know, you don't have kids when, you know, they, they talk a big game about something and they don't really, they don't really do anything about it. I know you've never had kids like that, but I have kids like that all the time that talk big games. They tell me what God's telling them and then they don't follow up and they don't do those things. So I told this young man, get your degree, get those things that you need. And then I said, um, you know, uh, you know, but his heart, his heart still wants to do youth ministry. Well, you can do youth ministry in the local school. I mean, there's a difference between being a youth pastor and doing youth ministry. You know, youth pastoring normally is, is under the umbrella of the church. Youth ministry can go anywhere, right? Anywhere there are students, anywhere you can minister to kids. That can be a parking lot. That can be a school. That can be anywhere. And so, but he still wants to work within the local church. And here's the key here. Here's what, here's what I think pushed him over the, over the edge, something that I could not train him to do. I couldn't make him love youth work or youth ministry or teenagers. And then he got up and he, well, he actually didn't share that. I, I don't think he shared this part actually in the Wednesday night service. I think he told me this separately. And he said, um, he said to me, he says, Paul, here's how, what God showed me. He says, I was standing in the back of the, I was standing in the back and people were coming up and praying for me. And he says, I looked up and saw one of our middle school students. And this middle school, he said, this middle school student, he was praying for people, but he wasn't praying for people, other middle school students. He was praying for much older kids than him. He was, he was praying for uh, you know, just praying to pray. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to show off. He wasn't trying to stay within his box. He was, he was just praying for people. And he came and he prayed for me. And, and he told me, this young man told me, he says, that's when I started. That's when I started to weep. And I thought, how phenomenal is this? You see, I couldn't have put that passion in him. He had to witness it. He had to experience it and allow the revelation of the Holy Spirit to show him that his desire and passion to work with young people was what he wanted to do. I couldn't train him to do that, though. I can train him in skills. I can train him in all those things, but I cannot train him to be passionate. Uh, I, I, I can do all those other things. And that story there tells us this, that it requires that revelation. Now, there are some things we can do. Uh, there are things that we can do with students. I want to give you four things uh, that I think that go beyond training, right? That go beyond the training format, that we just can't train everybody to do everything and then expect everything to go whatever. You're going to train people, but those people are still going to be people. But let me give you four ways you can put people... 
and maybe uh, change the balance a little bit, even though you can't change, only Jesus can change a heart, but how we can help that along maybe with what we do. And the first thing is this, number one is pray. Uh, prayer is key. Uh, you know what? It's like the seminarian who lost his Bible uh, and was reading a bunch of other reading a bunch of other commentaries and and papers and all those things and had totally lost you know his Bible. Um, it's much like that where we think we can get by with the knowledge we've already accumulated and just be able to function out of a heart of knowledge or a brain of knowledge uh, and, and without asking and without begging and without uh, uh, being in God's presence and saying, you know what, God, I can't change these kids. I can't change. I can't change what these kids are doing. I can't change, uh, you know, their behavior. You know, too many, too many uh, people, Christians today, are just modified sinners. Uh, you know, where we've they, we've modified their behavior. They no longer do bad things, but they're not doing anything good. They they've become great moral people, but they're not followers of Jesus necessarily. And the number one thing I believe that changes that. Uh, is prayer, is praying for your staff. If you have people on your team or kids in your youth group who are not where they're supposed to be or not who they're supposed to be, I should say maybe, uh, the only thing that's going to change their hearts is prayer. It's only going to be that revelation, that really praying for revelation and saying, Lord, open their eyes, open their hearts, you know, uh, open, open there, you know, that, that, those moments where, you know, the apostle Paul, the scales fell from his eyes. And we pray that over kids and we pray that over our adults because they can't, um, you know, if we have them on our team, we can teach them skills, but we can't teach them the passion. We can't teach them those things. So number one is prayer. Number two is prepare. Now prepare sounds a lot like training, but I think it goes beyond that. It's not a class. We think training sometimes is a class. We do a class. We do a, a blog post. We do an email in the thing. We send it out. We say, read this. Get that back to me. Fill this out. And I think that is that is training. But preparing is a little different. When you're when I'm working with um, when I'm working with students, I try to prepare people for what they may encounter. They're going to, you know, prepare for low numbers, be prepared for, you know, if I give them an event, if I give them something, I say, here, you know, be prepared, you know, be prepared that this could happen, be prepared that this could happen. I also prepare them, not just for the the thing that could happen, but I prepare them in a way where our relationship is solid enough to where we can then talk about you know, those things that we need to talk about that need to change, whether that's from a, a character standpoint of view or, you know, to keep it on a personal level. Uh, but I prepare them. I prepare, I try to prepare myself uh, and prepare them for that moment when that revelation is going to come. Uh, and I do. And I, I, you know, and that leads to me to the, to the third thing, which is to position them. Right. So uh, we got to pray for them. We got to prepare them. Uh, for what is to come, uh, that may be the like I said the the downside of youth ministry. Prepare them. There are downsides. Prepare them for you know all the things that will come along with their roles and responsibilities. But then the third thing I have to do is be able to position them. You see, this young man that I took to camp with me might not have had that revelation had he not been at camp with me. And th and we have to be able to put kids and adults and whoever into position where they can experience the revelation. You know, uh, you don't know, uh, uh, you know, 
how you're going to do in something until you go do it. You know, you may think you're great at running. You may think you're a great marathoner. You may, until you actually run the marathon. You say, I could do that. Well, once you get out there, you suddenly discover um, that maybe you weren't quite prepared for that moment when you're sucking wind about, you know, five miles in and you got, you know, uh, 21 miles left to go in your marathon. And, uh, and so positioning people and that, and I try to position people, especially with my staff by giving them, you know, they're doing a thing this summer called the summer six and I've given each of them uh, a role and a responsibility to do an event and activity. Now that's going to help me figure out who can handle an event and activity and who cannot. Uh, it's also going to show me, you know, put them in a position where a revelation could hit them that says, I, I, where they say to themselves, I didn't prepare. I didn't do this. Uh, I missed this part. I didn't get along with this kid. I didn't think ahead, you know? And so when we do that, especially with, like I said, with kids as well, putting them in student leadership positions, they're never going to be super prepared, even if we train them. Uh, you know what? They're not going to be all perfect, but we have to be able to position them to where they can experience the revelation, right? Experience that part where the God can talk to their hearts and say, you know what? I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm not as prepared as I thought I was. I'm not as uh, called as I thought I was. I'm not, you know, I'm just not there. And we have to be able to position people uh, in places where they can uh, experience that revelation. And the fourth thing is we need to promote them. Um, you know, training uh, is only part of it. We have to be able to, once a person has maybe maxed out in a certain area, and when I say promote, I, I mean it two ways. Number one, I mean it to where you move people from place to place. If these events don't go well, you know, I'm learning who can do this and I'm going to promote, and the word is promote, promote people versus like, oh, I'm going to take you out of there. Oh, I'm going to, no, no, no. We need to promote them to a place where they can succeed and they can do well. If, if kids or leaders are not doing well in your ministry, you need to promote them to a place where they are going to do well. And, uh, and, and also promote also means to encourage right? You lift them up and say, look, you did a great job. You need to promote them in whatever it is they're doing beyond the training, right? That in the moment and in when those things are going on and whether it's chaotic or whether it's going well, you know, promote them and say, look, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're learning. You know, you're, you're getting, you know, you people will come to me, uh, teenagers or uh, adult leaders or whoever it is and says, Paul, I didn't know this. Paul, why didn't I know this? And well, you know, I just figured that out and I'll go, aha, you're having a moment. You're having a revelation here of your own self. You're having a, you know, of what you don't know and God is showing you. And if they're receptive to that, right? If they're receptive to that, they can change. If they're not receptive to the revelation, if they're pushing back on it all the time, then they're not going to grow in their faith. They're not going to do well. And so we have to be able to, uh, you know, pray for them. We have to be able to prepare them. We have to be able to position them for the revelation, uh, you know, and then we need to promote them to where God has revealed to them they need to be, whether that's, you know, in the same spot, but encouraged or a different spot where they can succeed. That's where the revelation comes in. Pray for the revelation, prepare them for the revelation, position them for the revelation and promote them with the revelation they receive. So that is the core of the lesson today, folks. I hope that uh, that will move your youth ministry forward. I hope that it will help you in so many ways. Uh, training only goes so far. 
Revelation is where it's at, and uh, we need to help uh, young people and our staff be able to understand that and be able to walk with them. So once again, don't forget to be able to sign up for the show notes. You'll get this in the show notes along with links and other things to all the stuff I'm talking about today at thediscipleproject.net, and uh, sign up for the Fresh Impact newsletter. also want to say before I move on is please go by. If you're a longtime listener here, I really need you to go by and uh, and leave a review. If you've not left a review yet, please leave a review because I won't be able to. I want people to be able to find uh, the podcast in iTunes. And if you will take time to do that, um, it's going to help do help do that. If you find value, if you've listened to every podcast I've done, you've obviously think that I, there's some value here that I'm, I'm bringing something to the table. Would you please go by and do a review so other people can experience what you experience and get out of it what you get out of it? It's you know it's it's just a. Uh, uh, you know, a way of saying, hey, look, Paul, thanks for your effort. Thanks for your time. Here's something small I can do. I can leave a review. I can leave some stars and I can help uh, get the word out about the podcast. So um, moving on to nerding out. There is a little bit of nerd that is going on. Um, there is on Netflix. <laughs> you can't find this funny, but I don't care. This is just me. But do you remember Voltron? Do you remember the cartoon Voltron uh, with the robot that would come together um, and make a giant robot? Like they were all different. They were all like lions, I believe, um, and uh, and they would join together to do something. Well, Netflix has a new uh, a, a new series of Voltron shows uh, called Voltron Legendary Defender, and uh, it's on Netflix. And so I have not yet finished it yet. But I'm really enjoying it because it does give me a, uh, it gives me that uh, feeling of of um, when I used to watch with my kids, I'd watch uh, Avatar, the cartoon, and so it kind of has that vibe. It has that really good, funny balance of things, and uh, and so yeah. So I've been actually been nerding out about that. I've been nerding out about how well the show is done, how well the characters are done. Uh, I'm not a super anime guy, but I do enjoy. Certain things like this, and one that evokes things from childhood or things like that. Or uh, I also noticed that uh, acting in it, uh, one of the voice actors is Stephen Yoon uh, from The Walking Dead, who plays Glenn. So I thought that was kind of a cool feature. But that's lately what I've been nerding out about. Maybe if you if you know of something I need to be nerding out about, you need to alert me to something. Uh, then please let me know at thedprojectatme.com. But lately, that's what I've been nerding out about. I've been, I, mean, I need to finish that today is what I need to do. I'm probably halfway through the series. I think there's 12 or 14 episodes, and uh, I just need to go ahead and get that done. So if you're into something, I would love to know. Let me know what you're nerding out about lately, uh, and I would love to hear about uh, what is going on with you. My email and stuff is just blowing up on here. So all these dings you hear, I'm not going to take them out. You're just going to have to deal with them. I want to close off today with a little bit of motivation. All this news and all these things, you know, this podcast is about youth ministry and about moving your youth ministry forward, which I, I hope that we're doing. Uh, I hope that I'm doing through the training and through the conversation that we're having. Um, but also, I want you to stay motivated. The, 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 only, the way we stay in what we're in is to stay motivated, uh, not in a self-engrandized way where um, where we think we're so valuable and so important and that, dear God, the ministry can't go on if I don't do it. Uh, the older I get, the more I realize that that is not true. But where we stay motivated at is when we become human beings and we start reflecting on the people that we work with and things like this, and that those people we work with 
um, or kids in our youth group could leave us. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like go to another church. I'm talking about like leave the planet. I'm talking about like pass away or die. And uh, I just found this article on uh, Philando Castile, uh, who was one of the folks shot. He was the gentleman that was shot in the vehicle while, and his girlfriend then started live streaming on Facebook about it. And I just, in reading the article, uh, he was a cafeteria worker. And he was, I believe, was in an elementary school. And I just thought about that. You know, this kid, this guy did children's ministry. You know what? He, he didn't do youth ministry, but he did children's ministry. He was, he was working with kids every day. And what these kids said about him are kind of amazing. Um, you know, I mean, I say kind of amazing. I mean, he did his job. I mean, look, we've all known, you know, workers and, and, and you know, cafeteria, school cafeteria workers, things like that, maybe who, you know, they do their job and they do very well. But then there are people who go above and beyond. And Philando seems to be, according to this article, one of those people. And some of the things that are said here about him, uh, you know, that it says he used to give me fist bumps, used to give, uh, give you extra food when you were at the end of the line, uh, Jazz Gilman told KMSP-TV. Uh, he gave you extra food when the others, other ones weren't looking. Well, how cool is that, right? Another student, Mitchell Gilman, told the station that Castile would comfort students when he noticed they were feeling down. He was very nice to everyone, and he was one of the kindest people in the whole school, Mitchell said. It goes on that the, you know, he was at St. Uh, he was at a, in St. Paul there at a public school there, and, um, and he says kids loved him. He was smart, overqualified. He was quiet, respectful, kind. Uh, I knew him as a warm and funny uh, guy. Uh, he called me his wingman. Uh, he wore a shirt and tie to his supervisor interview and said his goal was to one day sit on the other side of this table, one co-worker said. And other colleagues said Castillo had a cheerful disposition and maintained great relationships with staff and students alike. He was a great greeter, uh, great, uh, he was quick to greet former co-workers uh, with a smile and a hug. You know, this guy did children's ministry. In fact, I, I, there's a story I heard on the news where um, this kid was brand new to the school and he was probably uh, maybe seven or eight years old. And the dad said that every day, uh, Philando would talk with him, would encourage him, would fist bump him in line and say, how you doing, man? And walk him through the line and encourage him. Say, man, you can do this. And, you know, he encouraged these kids. He, he, he was, you know, uh, a human being that did his job did ministry, did all these things to help uh, these kids. And, you know, he left uh, a pretty good legacy. And I guess the challenge for us to stay motivated is this. You see, Flando wasn't trained to be that way. He had a revelation. He said, you know what? Uh, this is how I want to treat kids. And I know people get hung up whether I say, you know, children's ministry. And I'm not saying Flando was a children's pastor or anything like that. I'm just saying he was ministering to kids. And But he had that... Uh, thing about his life, that he had a revelation somewhere. It says, this is how I want to, you know, conduct how I want to be in a cafeteria and how I want to relate to kids. And it's just a powerful a thought. It's a powerful thing to think about that we all have the opportunity. Uh, you know, no, some of us haven't been trained in something. We are who we are. And you can't train, you know, it just comes out of you, you know, to be an encourager. 
you know, that somewhere along the line we get these revelations and say, you know what, this is not the way to be, this is the way to be. And God shows us our faults and God shows us our shortcomings and, and shows us a better way. And, and that's my hope, that you're, you, you are impacting kids' lives. You are touching kids' lives. And, and I can only encourage you to say, look, spend some time in prayer, spend, spend some time you know, thinking about the person you are and the person you could be. And you can always up your game. You can always do a fist bump. You can always give a little extra. Uh, you, can, you can follow that. But the revelation comes first, and then you got to submit to that and say, Lord, you've shown me. You've shown me where I'm coming up short. I can do better. And so that's it for today, guys. Uh, my hope and prayer for you is that, uh, is that God shows you where you need to be at, just like I, God shows me where I need to be at and where I can step it up in my world. So but that's it for today, guys. See you guys next time on the Youth Ministry Emotion Podcast, where I try to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. Until next time, everybody. See you then.